right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech Edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody, and we have a lot to talk about today. We have uh, Steak and Salmon Gate. Elijah Fisher made some comments, and I'm going to give my thoughts on that, go over what he said on, I believe, the Hippity Hoppity Hoops podcast or whatever it's called, um, and then... We get a couple basketball, uh, new players, one out of Grand Canyon University. Um, we're keeping the Mick streak alive. We had our spring game. I'll give you my thoughts on who the starting quarterback will be. And we played three baseball games against Baylor. And um, we played four innings against Abilene Christian. But that game's not finished. And we may be down a large margin, but the game's not over. So we don't have to talk about that one yet. Uh, so here we go. All right. So, we're going to start off with the Elijah Fisher stuff. And personally, what the players went through this year um, was awful. And the failure is on both the coaching staff, i.e. Mark Adams, and also some individual players have to take responsibility. Um, Fardaz Amak, I, I think, would be in that category of guys that got to look themselves in the mirror after this season. Um there were guys that are still on the team, Kerman Walton, Marion Williams, who they may not have gotten the opportunities that they needed to to get into a rhythm, be productive players. They weren't going to be the Adonis Arms type that we used to see, but they didn't get their opportunities. They also, when they got their opportunities, didn't take advantage of them. Um, but Elijah Fisher was a guy that I really liked. I thought that his build would have fit perfectly in Mark Adams' defense. I don't know what practices were like, how he played in practice, or anything like that. I knew when he got on the court, he looked good. Um, One of the things he talked about was against Oklahoma State. And in the last minute, he was put on their best player, or their hottest player for the game, who had over 20 points. Now, he did not have a good second half. A lot of that was with Elijah Fisher guarding him. But in a critical moment, they put... Elijah Fisher on him. The first one, Elijah Fisher got went the wrong way, uh, ended up giving a, a foul. The second one needed a stop. He got a great stop, and then we didn't box out, and they got the putback. But some of what Elijah Fisher said about the team and the culture with Mark Adams probably opened the door to a lot of people who maybe didn't know everything that was going on with Adams. And they, they didn't talk about the personal scandal or um, the stuff right before the season or any of that. But it does seem pretty obvious Mark Adams was not forthcoming with players. He was telling Elijah Fisher that they were going to play a lot more up-tempo, which, okay, I will say this. If you're Elijah Fisher and you're told by a defensive-minded coach that at a program that the last five or six years have had played great defense and a slow offense, and then that last year the guy who was brought in to run the offense, who ran a fast-paced offense, was forced out, and you still thought, oh, we're going to play up-tempo offense. That's on you, buddy. That's on you. I'm sorry, Elijah. That's on you. The second thing, but if he wa- if Mark Adams was telling him that, then, yeah, he didn't keep his promise. And he didn't give him minutes either. And I could see why a player that's, well, he was 18 or 19 years old. I think he turned 19 at some point during the season. I know he was technically supposed to be in high school. He was He's kind of a Quinn Ewers situation where he's old for his grade. Um, but Mark Adams definitely lied to them. And then Marco Santos Silva also said 
he was lied to by Mark Adams in the comments on that to come back for his senior year, which if Santos Silva thought that he should have started over O'Banner or Williams, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have. But if you're a coach and you want to build trust and a relationship with the players, get them to play for you, the best the, the best way to go about that is probably by being honest with them, being honest with the Marco Santos Silva, saying, look, you're probably not going to be our starter. You're probably not going to start over these guys. We'll get you 20 to 25 minutes a game, and we'll be a contender and go deep in the tournament. And if you say that and can convince him to stay off of that, then you're going to have him fully bought in. And I will say, I think that the 2021-22 season was more dysfunctional than any of us know. I know that there's been some people who have said Luke Adams was also brought in around the program uh, for his senior or for the tournament run, and players were not thrilled with that. But I think the thing that saved us that season was the upperclassmen that we had. You know, we still had Kevin O'Banner for both years. We had Terrence Shannon, Kevin McCore, who were in the program, Bryson Williams, uh, Adonis Arms, who was in his sixth year of college. I mean, we had experienced guys that could keep the lid on things. So I do not fault Elijah Fisher at all for being frustrated or wanting a change of scenery. I don't frustra- uh, fault him for that. Now, I will say there were some anti-Fisher takeaways from this. And from what he said about what he learned from sitting on the bench, having to ride that out, uh, work through that, I will say Elijah Fisher, I think... In two or three years, he's going to be a very mature player and can be a leader on a team. Having said that, these high school kids that are highly touted, and there are some exceptions. I think Pop Isaacs would be a good exception. They get smoke blown so far up their backside, it is pretty insane. The amount of hype they get is insane. I mean, the podcast hosts were asking Elijah Fisher, a true freshman, what his thoughts were when he didn't start the first game. Like, yeah, a true freshman, there's a good chance, especially if he's a raw freshman, which he was and reclassified, that he's gonna he's not going to start the first game. He's going to be a role player his first year. Now, I wish he had a bigger role, but... And then they were asking, well, why didn't you call your parents or get, have them get onto that? The, the fact that people think that should even be a suggestion is ridiculous. Also, if you... I will say, Lubbock, and I kind of can see where he's coming from with diversity, but Lubbock, he's also saying there's not much diversity there. Lubbock is a minority-majority city, so I I want to clear that up. I don't think that's exactly what he meant with that comment. But also, the steak and salmon bit was funny. I'm sorry. I think anybody... Pretty much anybody in the world is not going to have sympathy for a kid that in college they're getting steak and salmon for free, their housing paid for, and probably getting paid, I don't know, let's say $100,000. Let's just throw that number out there. Just a guess. Could be more. Could be less. If you're getting NIL, which Elijah Fisher clearly was, then I don't know, man. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere else to eat. Go get some Mexican food or something like that. Get barbecue. I, I don't know. Lubbock has a ton of restaurants. If you can't find something to eat in Lubbock, that that one's kind of on you there. So, and also, I will say, 
if you're going to go on a podcast and say a tell-all and say why you hated life there, you're going to get backlash. I mean, that is what it is. Let's be real honest. This is not a tennis player who's not really getting not getting NIL is on half a scholarship maybe a third of a scholarship transferring and then saying I didn't like that city this is a guy who made a lot of money only got five minutes a game and I think he's a talented player and you know he made a lot of money in a failed season and then you go on on a podcast and say reasons why you don't like that city and I can get why you didn't fit in there I get it but Yes, you're in a you're coming from a different country. You're also I mean, Canada's just America light. I'm sorry that he didn't like being locked in his house 24 23 hours a day and having to play basketball with a mask on. Um or he missed that. But, you know, wish him the best. Uh I think it's pretty clear he won't be returning. I think that in a few years he'll be a really great player and probably be a pretty mature player at that point. But yeah, I don't know if that interview was the smartest from him. Although it did give us a lot of insight into Mark Adams. And I know a lot of people were saying, you know, you should be focusing more on Mark Adams. I, I had been focusing on Mark Adams since January. I think that I think that's the first time I suggested he should be fired. Um, so I, I'm kind of worn out on focusing on that. That guy's out the door. Elijah Fisher is too. Um, I think Elijah Fisher has more basketball in his future than Mark Adams does. Adams does and rightfully so but sticking on the basketball front so last week we talked about uh, getting Darion Williams he was freshman of the year in the Mountain West 7.6 points per game 7.7 rebounds 2.7 assists 1.4 steals a game he is a an insane passer now he is not the same score that Jalen Tyson was he's 6'6 210 he's a wing he's gonna replace Jalen Tyson and like for like if you're trading them I think that he actually is going to do more for you overall than Jalen Tyson will. This guy is an insane passer. He has great vision. He is a great addition. Additionally, we have a new guy, Chance McMillan. Uh, he was a he played three seasons at Grand Canyon. Uh, his stats this past season: he got 29 minutes per game, shot over 48 percent from the th- from the field, 44 percent from three. Uh, over a 70% free throw shooter, he shot 87.1% uh, the year previous. Got three rebounds game, two assists. He is a really quality piece, and he's coming from Grand Canyon, a team who I believe went to the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, so he's coming from a culture that is used to winning. Yes, not at, at high of a level, but he's a quality piece. Um, he would be a good 6th, 7th guy. We have Pop Isaacs returning, Lamar Washington He's not in the portal um, as of right now, (laughs) I believe. And Robert Jennings is returning. Uh, I think that we're in a good position with basketball. This team's going to have a good chance to make the tournament. It should be a much better season than this past year. Um, And there's still also a lot of recruits to fill out here. Now, moving on to the spring game. um, I'm going to be honest. I don't put a lot of stock in spring games. Um, the most important thing is nobody got hurt for Texas Tech in the spring game. So that's nice to see. Bear Morton did look a little bit better than Tyler Shuck. I will say the starter for this team will be Tyler Shuck week one. And I don't think there's much doubt about it. Week two, you have Oregon. Um, that's going to be a big game for Shuck. He spent a couple years there. I think that Shuck and 
I think he'll have kind of a short leash, and it's not because I don't think Shuck's a good quarterback. I mean, he beat Kansas for us, which, yeah, you beat Kansas in Lubbock. Beat Iowa State in a tough sit- in a tough situation, led that game-winning drive. Got into a shootout with Oklahoma to beat them, and then just killed Ole Miss. And, and this guy's running. He's willing to dip the shoulder. He's aggressive. Um, the first year that Tyler Shuck came to Lubbock, it seemed like, and even last year, it seemed like he was kind of there for himself, uh, just looking to go to the NFL draft. It seems like it's changed now. This is his third year here. Um, he's well ingrained in the community. Uh, he's a good guy on and off the field. I'm sure Baron Morton is too. He, he has become a lot easier easier of a guy to root for over the past six months, I'd say. I'd say over the past six months, and not that he was tough to root for before that, but he's come become much easier to root for, fought through a couple injuries. He's saying, well, I, I have metal on both shoulders now, so I don't need to worry about that anymore. So he's going to be aggressive. I don't know if I want him to be aggressive all the time, but I think the leash should be a little bit short, and it's not because he's not a really good quarterback. He's definitely in the top half of quarterbacks in the Big 12. I keep seeing rankings that do not have him in the top half, and that to me is kind of ridiculous. Um, I think, I mean, who are you taking over him in the Big 12? Like, honest question. Quinn Ewers, maybe. Uh, Will Howard, you can put Will Howard over him because Will Howard's proven more. But I don't know if those two line up on the field together who I'd rather take. I'd, probably, I'd be okay taking Shuck. And then Dylan Gabriel, I know some people will throw his name out there. No. He's, he's, no, uh, we watched them two play each other and Dylan Gabriel had more talented pieces around him, had a 17-0 lead and still lost. So I'm sorry, Dylan Gabriel is not better than Tyler Shuck, but it also has to be tough for him to have Baron Morton behind him because Baron Morton is a Texas Tech fan, committed his junior year of high school, highly touted recruit. We all knew that he was going to be good. And then he gets on the field against Oklahoma State, and he was better in that first half than we could have imagined until he got injured. And he still looked pretty good in other games he played. He looked great against West Virginia. He he had a bad game against Baylor, but he almost let us back. He was playing all right against TCU before he got injured. It, it, it is a situation where you have two really dang good quarterbacks that seem to have a very good relationship with each other. And I, th- I think it's going to be Tyler Shuck because of seniority. But I do believe that Baron Morton is more talented. Now, Tyler Shuck probably knows how to win games better than Baron Morton does. I mean, Tyler Shuck has not lost a game. He started and finished. And if we want to go by starts, then he lost one. He was going to lose to Texas that year whether he finished that game or not. That was just a butt whooping. But I feel really good about our quarterback situation and um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. I'd obviously expect both t- both guys to see the field. In addition to that, we have NFL draft news, so it is very possible. Uh, and I will say, Tyree Wilson may go number two overall to my Houston Texans. And 364 days a year, I have to be ashamed of this franchise. But tell you what, if you're a Cowboys fan and listening out there. 
Y'all can suck it because this is the one day of the year that we're better than y'all. Because we have two uh, top 15 picks and y'all have no top 15 picks. So sorry. Uh, this is the Texans day. So tough luck, Cowboys fans. Um, but I will say I would not mind getting Tyree Wilson for the Houston Texans as a Texans fan. And I was wanting a quarterback. But the more I look at it, I, I don't know if I like C.J. Stroud. It looks like Bryson or Bryce Young's going to be off the board. Um, I don't like Will Levis. I don't like Anthony Richardson. Our team's not ready to win yet. I am completely fine sticking with Davis Mills for another year and getting Tyree Wilson in the draft. And I would love to get Tyree Wilson in the draft. And if he doesn't go to the Texans, there's a good chance that he goes to the Seahawks at number five. And I, I will say that would be kind of funny that the Seahawks are rebuilding their defense with two guys, Jordan Brooks and Tyree Wilson, from Texas Tech's defense. That uh, You would not have thought that, what, six, seven, five years ago, three years ago? You would not have thought that. All right, on to the games that were actually played other than the spring game. We played Baylor this weekend in baseball, and I will say that Friday game, Mason Molina, he had been struggling. He pitched an absolute gem. gem. Seven innings, only one walk, only two hits, and he strikes out 12. 12 strikeouts, shuts them out. Andrew Devine comes up, and I will say, I, I won't get into his performance just a bit. He goes two innings, good, only gives up one hit. Unfortunately for him and a guy who's been in the doghouse as of late, that hit is a solo home run that blows a shutout. So, you know, that's kind of uh, good and bad things. All right, two innings, only one hit uh, is the good news. And then the bad news is it was a solo shot in the ninth to blow the shutout. So that one's tough. I will say Ty Coleman was spectacular in this game. Four for five, got two RBIs. Um, Austin Green returned to the lineup. He got hot again. He had been slumping since the Texas series. He was hitting well under 200, and he has not been the best player in the field. Uh, but he goes 3 of 5 in this game. And so really good performance by him. Dylan Carter in the starting lineup, lineup goes 0 for 4, but makes a nice catch uh, in the outfield. Then Saturday morning, you jump all over them, get five runs early, give up one in the second, uh, get it back in the bottom of the second, and then the wheels come completely off in the six for both pitching staffs. Trendon Parrish pitched five great innings, gave up just one run in the first five innings. Then the set, sixth inning, he gets three more earned runs credited to him. Um, that's a tough one. He got through five innings pretty quickly. I will say if Trenton Parrish can give you five good innings, if he can go into a regional, give you five innings, give up one or two runs, I'm taking that all day. Ryan Free uh, did not pitch the greatest. He got the win. Two innings pitched, uh, gave up two earned runs on three hits. Brandon Beckel had uh, really, I, I guess he had one subpar performance earlier this season, but really the only bad performance he's had this season, he goes two innings, took him 51 pitches to get through two innings, uh, but he gave up three earned runs on three hits. He struck out five, so he struck out five. <laughs> five of his six outs came from strikeouts. Austin Green, again, hit well, two of four. Um, you know, 
really, there's not much to say about the lineup. Uh, Ty Coleman's a really good player. He got no hits, but got on base twice um, and scored both times. Um, Austin Green's rounding into form. Dylan Maxey, he's a guy I'm actually very excited about. He went 3 of 5 in this game uh, as a Saturday starter. And then, of course, I, I will say, I really like this baseball team. I'm going to start by saying that because the next thing I'm going to say is going to sound mean. You know, I, I, I have a like, co-ed softball game tonight. Um, I haven't met my team yet. I know we won our first game. I was out of town, so I wasn't there. If, if my co-ed softball team played Texas Tech in a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, on Friday and Saturday we'd lose by a combined 150 to nothing. But on Sunday, I think we'd, we'd have a chance to beat them if, if Tech was going for the sweep because that's something Tech just has not been able to do this year. They didn't do it uh, last week against Oklahoma either, and they struggled getting sweeps uh, last year as well. Um, but... Pitching-wise, Jacob Rogers takes the mound. He's still a raw pitcher. He goes two and a third, gives up two earned runs on three hits. Uh, Ethan Combs gets two outs, gets two strikeouts, and that's it for his day. Kyle Robinson, uh, four and two-thirds, gave up seven hits, three earned runs. He was going for a long time, 71 pitches. Um, I can see why he's not a starter. And then Brandon Gerton comes in, gives up a run, three hits on one and a third. It was just a bad day all around for us. We lost six to four. We were in the game, tied. Go, they take the lead in the sixth. We get it back in the seventh, and then the eighth, they just put up three runs. We can only get one in the bottom of the eighth. It just, I don't know. I will say it sucks that you win a series and your RPI can go down. That formula is completely ridiculous. Um... I, I don't know why the selection committee is so hung up on RPI. Makes no sense. Texas Tech's right now projected to be a three seed in the tournament, but every national poll has them as a top 16 team, which would tell you, oh, they should at least be in the conversation for hosting. But we're probably going to be either a two or three seed. Um, we're going to make the tournament unless the wheels completely fall off. Um Hudson White went two for four on Saturday afternoon. Dylan Carter went one for three. Those are really the two lone brought eight spots. Kevin Kevin Bazell went three of five. Nolan Hester went two of five. Wasn't a great day hitting for you, which that, that happens. Um, Dylan Carter did, I passed over this, but on the early Saturday game, he did go two for three. This team is good. Um, I don't know if they're Omaha good. It depends what regional they're in. They can definitely get out for regional, and they can definitely win a three-game series against anybody. We've seen it against Oklahoma State. We've seen it against TCU. And I know they got swept against Texas, but they could have they could have easily won all three of those games. I mean, if a couple situational hittings go better, or situational at-bats go better, you probably win at least two of those three games. If you have Brandon Beckel, and you can hit better with runners in scoring position on Friday. You probably you could have swept that one. But didn't happen. This team is good. I don't know if they're Omaha good. And we're going to have to wait and see. I think that the bright spot was Mason Molina. He was in a bad slump. And he pitched a gem on Friday. That's really what you needed out of him. Uh, Brandon Gerton, he's good out of the bullpen. Bo Blessy did not pitch 
pitch this week. Trendon Parrish, I thought he gave you five stellar innings, and then he got let. I don't want to say he got left in the game too long because I understand Tadlock with the double header that you're trying to save pitchers. So I'm not blaming Tadlock for that. You have a big lead. I I completely understand why you leave him in there when you're up five runs. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Not criticizing Tadlock at all for that. But I don't think that Trenton Parrish would have been given as much leash in the early going in that sixth inning if you're in a competitive game in a regional. So that's going to do it for this one. Hopefully Tyree Wilson uh, is a Houston Texan by the time that we talk next. Uh, thank you all for listening and wreck them.